In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was to be the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. 
When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Would you pray with me? Eternal God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Tonight, I want to start off with a few questions. This isn't a test. There's no judgment here, at least none coming from up here. I can't control what you do in your own minds. It's more like a poll. I just want to see if my gut on these things is right. So uh, don't be afraid to shout out answers or to raise your hand. The more interactive we can be, the more fun we're going to have, okay? So raise your hand. How many of you right now have your Christmas tree up and decorated at your house? This is me raising my hand. I do as well. Very good. Now raise your hand if you waited until today to put it up and decorate it. Anyone? Did you know that that's actually common practice to do in Germany where the Christmas tree tradition uh, began? If you've heard of the word Tannenbaum, that is the word for Christmas tree in German, they actually don't put up their Christmas trees until Christmas Eve. little fun fact for you. I'm full of them. Uh, so when did you put up your Christmas tree? Uh, anyone put up your tree within the last week? What One. Thank you for being willing to admit it. That's that's just great. Uh, anyone uh, like around the 1st of December or sometime in December? A few more, a few more. Uh, anyone willing that right after Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving, that's when it goes up at our house. Uh, anyone willing to admit they put their tree up before Thanksgiving? We got a few. All right, I'm just going to put it uh, before November. Anyone? Oh, we got one. I'm with you, Penny. I get it. All right, so, so how many of you have been listening to Christmas music and how long? So do any of you listen to Christmas music year-round? It's just constant. All right, again, Penny. Yep, we got you. Penny lives with the Christmas spirit year-round, and it's a beautiful thing. Um, when do you start typically listening to Christmas music in general? Just shout out some answers for me. October. Thanksgiving, I heard. Now, on Thanksgiving, after, the, after Thanksgiving. Yep, that's very much a hard and fast rule at my house, is no Christmas until after Thanksgiving. Um how about watching Christmas movies? Is it about the same as music? July. Sometimes you just need it in July, right? I get it. Christmas in July. Yep, absolutely. All right. It can be hard to pin down the beginning of the secular. And I'm going to say it. The secular Christmas versus the church Christmas. The, I'm going to call it almost Christmas, actually. It's hard to pin down because it seems to be shifting earlier and earlier each year 
uh, especially by retail companies and entertainment. Would you agree with that? How many of you, What do you remember the first time that you saw a Christmas display in a store this year? July. May. Oh, my gosh. That's pushing it. Yeah, I think we can go further back when we get to that's pushing it. I think it was August for me. Um, and I get it. Christmas is a lot of people's favorite season. And so we get really eager to start celebrating it. And I was curious, I have this kind of mind that I wanted to know if there was actually any data available um, that kind of tracks when Christmas seems to start, when Christmas cheer kind of starts to take that uptick in the fall, because I think it's in the fall. And so I was Googling because I always have the thought of, if I've thought about it, someone else must have thought about it a while ago. And lucky for me, someone did. I found this article in the Washington Post called the All I Want for Christmas Index, tracking holiday cheer with Google and Mariah Carey. Perfect. This is what I was looking for. So how many of you know the song All I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey? It's a modern Christmas classic. So the researchers in this article decided to use interest in this particular song as the gauge in order to try to track this elusive idea of holiday cheer. They figured... Um, they used Google Analytics, and they figured um, if people were starting to search for this song, there must at least be an interest in Christmas. And so over the period of 2006 to 2017, uh, they, they compiled this graph. And it's hard to see, but there's really light gray lines behind, and that's each individual year. The dark line is the kind of average. And you can see that starting in a little bit in September, but really in October interest in Mariah Carey's Christmas song starts to take off and then look it just exponentially grows and this is really the almost Christmas season right uh and where do you where do you see it peaking where's where's that highest point when when would you guess that that probably is (laughs) it's tonight isn't it it's tonight and it's tomorrow morning After that, look, it just drops off. You get to Christmas morning, and then we don't care about Christmas anymore. How many of you agree with that, that tonight and tomorrow morning, these are peak Christmas. Your holiday cheer is at the highest it's going to be. After this, you're going to kind of lose interest. Does that sound about right? Does that sound fair? I won't make you raise your hand, but I know that that's true. That's the way it is. You know, I remember that. For the secular world, the Christmas season basically ends with Christmas morning. And again, I'm calling that almost Christmas because while it has some really great stuff and I love Santa Claus and I love stockings and I love gifts under the tree, it's not really the real thing. It's almost Christmas. And the season of almost Christmas is really about anticipation. It's leading up to the morning of Christmas because it's centered on gift-giving and gift-receiving. Once the presents have been opened, once you've eaten your Christmas meal full of your favorite traditional Christmas foods, like lutefisk, right? Right back there. Our cheer drops. I, I've experienced this myself growing up. I can tell you on more than one occasion, my mom helped me, uh, made me, I should say, I helped her not voluntary, (laughs) uh, to take down the Christmas tree on December 27th, because that's how long it took me to get bored. 
I was home from school. I had these gifts that I thought I needed to have. And I was already like, I'm bored, mom. I don't know what to do. Does this happen in anyone else's house? I'll admit that I used to do this. And so my mom's solution was, okay, well, let's take down the tree. We're done with Christmas. Put it away. Two days after Christmas. With that kind of mindset, it seems silly that I titled my sermon, Christmas is Here. Because Christmas has been here. We've had the trees, we've had the music, and we've had the gifts, and we've had the parties. Tonight is our last big hurdle, right, before we make it through this Christmas holiday season. Except that tonight isn't the end. To end your celebrating tonight or tomorrow, to move on from Christmas now is like to stop reading a book after you've read the prologue. I have been mentioning to you some of the rituals around this time of year in my sermons each week during Advent, and tonight I will share one more. I said I was full of fun facts, so I decide if they're fun, okay? Uh, so tonight we have white pyramids. Did you notice that? So pyramids are these uh, fabric, lovely fabric things. We change them based on the season of the year. So tonight they are white, because tonight is the beginning of Christmas. As I mentioned on Sunday, we get to celebrate Christmas starting at night because that's how the Jewish days work and Jesus was Jewish. Tonight marks the beginning. The Christmas season lasts for, can anyone tell me how many days? Twelve. Have you ever wondered why there was a song called the 12 Days of Christmas? It's because there's 12 days of Christmas. And they start at Christmas, and they go until January 6th, which is Epiphany. That's when we celebrate the wise men coming to see Jesus, because guess what? They didn't come that night. If they came from the east, it actually took them quite a while. They say roughly two years. So we wait 12 days to, <laughs> to celebrate them coming. But in the church... Christmas is here tonight. Christmas has just begun. Let me put it to you another way. My dear friend Peggy, who is also a United Methodist pastor serving in Leed, South Dakota, uh, currently not serving, actually, because she is on maternity leave. She gave birth to a beautiful baby girl named Lillian Margaret Hansen, born December 15th of this year. For the past nine months or so, Peggy and I have been calling each other and messaging each other as she's had questions, moments of doubt, and overall excitement about this new addition to her family. And she thinks I seem to know what I'm talking about. I have no idea what I'm talking about. I have two boys. That doesn't mean I know what I'm doing. But I've been eagerly awaiting the arrival of this beautiful baby. I even traveled to Pier with both of my little boys to go to a baby shower for this little baby. It would be silly to think that now that Lillian has been born and is in the world, that I would lose interest in her. Right? Isn't that silly to think? It would be crazy to say that the best part of Lillian's life, the part that I liked the best, was the part where she was in Peggy's womb. A birth may be the end of pregnancy, but it is the beginning of a new life ripe with possibility. 
Tonight, we celebrate the end of our waiting for the Christ child to come into the world. Christmas is finally here. But the story doesn't end with the angels singing or the shepherds coming in to find the child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And it doesn't even end two years later when the wise men finally show up and give their gifts after following a star. These familiar stories that we share tonight, they are only the beginning. What happened on the night of Jesus' birth is miraculous, but it is only worth celebrating because we know there is more to the story. We know that Jesus doesn't stay a baby. Jesus coming into the world as the long-awaited Messiah was the answer to prayer. So much prayer. No doubt for centuries, the Israelite people were praying for a savior, for a Messiah to come, to provide a way out of their oppression, to give them dignity and pride. Once again, prophets like Isaiah and Micah were given glimpses of what this Messiah would be like and that God did have a plan for saving his people, that this Messiah was the answer to their prayers, that this Messiah would come. And so they waited, and they waited all the while imagining what this person would be like and what this person would do and how they would accomplish all that Israel had hoped for. And in the Christmas story, their gift had come. Their Savior was here. But he wasn't the Savior just yet. He wasn't the Messiah just yet. Jesus was God's answer, but his birth wasn't actually the long-awaited day. It was his death. Have you ever received a gift, something that you were really looking forward to, and then it required assembly? Anyone? Or maybe you had to charge the batteries for a full day before you could use something. This is the worst thing in the world. You want, you, this is what you've been waiting for. And then it's like, you got to charge this for eight hours. Oh, yes, you had the gift. It was right in front of you in your hands, but you couldn't use it yet. The worst was getting the gift when you weren't at home. Maybe this never happened to you. Again, I'm speaking from my own personal experience. Sometimes we would go to my grandparents' place and they lived in another town and they'd get me like the best gift ever. And then my parents would say, let's not open it here. Let's just, let's just wait until we get home to play with this. And then we have to spend the whole day there. And then it's like nighttime. And so then we're falling asleep and I get home. I'm like, can we open it? And they're like, well, let's just do it tomorrow. None of you as parents did this to your children, right? This is cruel and unusual punishment. The birth narrative though is kind of like that. God sent the gift of Jesus Christ into the world, but he wasn't ready yet. And he won't be ready for another 30 years to do the work that he was sent to do. He can't heal people right now. He doesn't even comprehend that he has hands at this point. He can't teach, let alone speak. He can't recite scripture because he hasn't actually heard any of it yet. The night Jesus enters the world marks the beginning of a new era, but that era isn't fully ushered in yet because Jesus requires a little more time. 
and a little more investment before he will be ready to be the Messiah that Isaiah foretold, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. For tonight, he is a baby. He's baby Jesus, dependent on his mother Mary and his father Joseph to keep him safe and warm in a town that is foreign to them. With a beginning like this one, you have to know that the rest of the story of Jesus' life must be great. With a beginning that involves miraculous pregnancies, angels visiting people left and right, shepherds and foreign magi, even King Herod makes an appearance. You know that this has to be one interesting person who has just entered into the world. But to only ever hear the beginning of the story is to miss out on what Jesus really came to do. Coming to earth wasn't the answer. It was what Jesus did with his time here that mattered and still matters to us. We celebrate his birth because of who he turned out to be. So this Christmas, and remember that this season is just the beginning that Christmas extends into the new year, I invite you to contemplate your own story. Maybe your story is just beginning, like the story we heard tonight, and your whole life is ahead of you. What will you do with it? How will you let God use you to make a difference in our world? Will you follow in the footsteps of Jesus? Become a disciple? Will you allow yourself to be formed into God's image? Perhaps you are in need of some investment of your own, some more time to learn about the faith, to read the scriptures, to ask the questions, and to become the kind of person that is ready to accept God's love and to live in God's kingdom. Maybe your story has a few pages in it already. Maybe in that story you have veered toward and away from God a few times. Maybe for you tonight is a new beginning, a new chapter with new possibilities. And as you gaze at the Christ child and know all that this baby would one day do, acknowledge that great things lie ahead for you as well. If you are willing to surrender to God. So often we think that we aren't good enough that we've made too many mistakes for God to use us. But when we look at scripture, we find story after story of people who were not perfect. People who made terrible choices at various points in their lives, but God still saw within them a possibility of greatness. God still called out to them, still offered them new life and new hope. Look at each one of the disciples. Look even at the Christmas story and the characters within it. They weren't perfect people. But they were given a chance to experience God's presence and grace, and they took it. And it became for them a new beginning, a rebirth. And even though the birth can happen in an instant, growing into a disciple takes time and it takes effort. And maybe your story has many pages, 
worn and well-read. For you, it isn't so much about the possibilities that lie ahead in your own life, but how your story can influence someone else. Maybe you are Elizabeth in this story who thought she was past her prime, and yet God spoke to her and blessed her with a child. Not only that, she became a confidant and counsel for her young relative who was experiencing the same thing for Mary. How are you sharing the story of God's work in your life so that others may see you and come to know God through you? How can you take what you have learned throughout your life to benefit those around you and their walk in discipleship. And just maybe, are you open to the possibility that God just might not be done with you yet? Although the Christmas cheer will soon fade away and be replaced by snow and cold and a groundhog looking for a shadow, Remember that this Christmas story is only the beginning of what God has in store for his people. The next chapters are what matters. The chapters about Jesus and his life. The chapters about Jesus and his death. And also the chapters that feature you and me. And how God is using each one of us as much as we'll let him. So tonight, let ourselves surrender to the true Christmas, to the true promise of salvation, and to the true story of God's redemption. Amen.